to another episode of TLB Talk Radio. And the title of today's show is 
how much security is left in social security? And yeah, we will get into that and we will dig into that as deep as we possibly can in one hour. But before we get into the topic, as usual, I would like to do my standard intro to each show because I believe it puts out some vital information. So this is episode, again, episode number 94 of TLB Talk Radio on Republic Broadcasting Network, and I am your host, Roger Landry, TLB. And again, the title for today's show is How Much Security is Left in Social Security. Okay, but first let's wind our way through our normal opening. TLB Talk Radio is sponsored by TLB Project's newest project, and that's a social media website called TLBtalk.com. Gee, I wonder where the name of the show came from. <laughs> Come and join us and say what needs to be said. Also remember that John Statmiller, who is the founder of RBN, was the media director for the Liberty Beacon Project, TLB Talk Platform. And we were that much better for it. So when we think about RBN and we think about TLBtalk.com, John does pop into our mind. And with that, I would like to remind everybody that there is the second annual book drive. John had some phenomenal books, and they are being auctioned off basically to help to um, keep RBN online. To keep them live and running, to help support them. And John had some phenomenal books, and the link to that on the RBN site, you can go to RBN and you can probably see it right on the main page. But tomorrow, I always publish an article with this show embedded in it the day after the show, which will be tomorrow on Tuesday, excuse me, on Monday, and you will be able to go Click on the link and go and check out the book drive. It's worth it. It helps to support RBN. RBN has a special place in Roger's heart. John was a very good friend of Roger's. So let's see what we can do to help. Again, the book drive is a phenomenal door opening up into a world of a collector like John. The books he he put away for his own so that he could just go and grab a book of that caliber anytime he wished and read, he accomplished that very well. And those books are being made available to the public, again, to help support RBN. Please do what you can. As usually, before I get started, I want to, as I was saying, you know, I want to talk to everybody about supporting these platforms. And that also includes Shake and Wake Radio, who does my midweek Wednesday show, Eagle's Eye Report. And that's on 3 to 4 p.m. Central. And the good thing about, um, you know, Annie's network, and that is Shake and Wake Radio, is she's a huge fan of RBN. So, again, it is platforms that like this that give the Liberty Beacon Project the ability to get its word out as effectively as possible. I'm also going to go over one more thing. I didn't do much last week because it was just too crammed a show. But do, do RBN a favor. If you're somebody, here he goes again, who usually does a donation every once in a while, that's appreciated more than you can understand. It is. Want to know how to take it to the next level? And if you've already heard this, go grab a cup of coffee. Take it to the next level by just estimating what do you normally, if it's six, you know, every six months you give a few bucks or every three or four months you give a few bucks, add that number up. Divide it by 12. The next time you go in there to give RBN a donation, take that number, put it in the box, and click the 
bucks that says make this a monthly reoccurring donation. What that does, yeah, it's not a $25 or a $50 donation like you usually give. It might only equal out to $10 or $11 a month. But what it does is it lets them know how much they've got coming in each month. So if they wish to get bigger, better, better, faster, they know what they can count on. If you are somebody who puts a donation in every once in a while, that's seriously appreciated. But it cannot be counted on if you have payments that need to be made. So again, the monthly donation is the best way to accomplish this, and you don't have to put any more in than you already are unless you wish to. Just average it out and make that a monthly reoccurring donation. Okay, Again, this is to make sure or to help to make sure that RBN stays online and continues to give you great news and information on a daily basis. All right. So let's dive into this a little bit deeper here. I will always state that the message I bring you is not entertainment, nor is it baseless guesses or remote possibilities. Most of what I deliver is in your face reality, recorded facts, or an inevitability depending on our course of action. Yeah, I'm going to tip on that a little bit again, too, because I got a little bit more blowback on that. It's not our course. I'm being told it's their course. No. How many times do I have to tell you people this? We know their course of action. We can see it. We're suffering it. And there are people like me and many other people on RBN alone, never mind all the other alternative media sources that are telling you the same thing. We know their course of action. We're living through it, people. What is it known is our course of action? What the hell are we going to do about it? We keep sitting here talking louder and louder about it, but it continues on and gets worse every day. So don't be telling me Our future depends on their goals. No, they depend on what the hell we're going to do. So do me a favor. Get off your butt and figure out what you can do to help save America. Because if you're looking around and saying it ain't so bad, you need to shut this show off and go away. Because you've been hiding in a hole somewhere that's kept you isolated from this planet for the last three years. So please, do me a favor. Understand We need to take action. We already see and know their actions. All right. So um, obviously I won't be taking calls. I usually don't. Hopefully one of these days I may be able to transition into a two-hour show and I can do that. Um, But as of right now, I just don't have the time and I apologize, people. But you know you can always leave a comment on the article that is published on the Liberty Beacon every Monday by noon central. And I will personally answer any queries anybody listening to this show puts on that article. I will. Okay, so let's go back to the title of the show because I really want to roll into this. All right, And the title of the show puts it right in your face. How much security is left in social security? Now, Anybody listening to this show, and I doubt if there's a whole lot of you, that's under 20 years old or between 20 and 30 years old. Social Security doesn't seem like much of an issue to you right now, and why are we wasting so much time on it? What do you think one of the biggest age groups in this country is today? And if you're talking about baby boomers 
or people my age, because I'm 69 and a half. Okay? We are a huge portion of this population, and we're going to get into that as well. See, how many people in America are 65 or older? We're talking about Social Security. So how many people in America are 65 or older? The 2020 census, which is already over three years old, okay? One in six people in the United States were over 65 or 65. Did you hear what I said? One in six people in the United States are 65 or over. The U.S. population age 65 and over grew from 2010 to 2020 at the fastest rate since 1880 to 1890. And it reached 55.8 million Americans. And that is a 38.6% increase in just 10 years. And I'm going to tell you that if they do check it again in three more years, which will only have been five years, I'm going to bet you that the increase is even bigger than what they saw in the last 10 years. It is the fastest growing age bracket in this country and in most countries on the planet today, but especially in America. What is Social Security and how does it affect somebody my age, somebody who's 69 and a half years old, or anybody who's 65 or over? Well, for all of you who don't know much about Social Security, let's get a couple little pieces of that out of the way. The Social Security Act signed into law by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1935 created Social Security, a federal safety net for elderly unemployed and disadvantaged Americans. The main stipulation of the original Social Security Act was to pay financial benefits to retirees over 65 based on lifetime payroll tax contributions because your Social Security is taken right out of your paycheck, just like every other tax. The act also established the Social Security Board which later became the Social Security Administration, to structure the Social Security Act and figure out the logistics of implementing it. So, tens of millions of people in the United States have received financial assistance through the Social Security Act since its inception. Still, the program was wrought with challenges from the start and has been a political hot topic for years its existence threatened time and time again. And as it is again today, with many economists stating that the program, Social Security, may have about 10 years or less to continue before it is flat, broke, and unable to borrow more money. So what the hell does that leave someone like me in 10 years who is on Social Security? What does that leave me? If that was my only form of income, and it is true for millions of Americans, what happens in 10 years? What if you're 65 and you just started to draw? More than likely, you're still going to be alive at 75. And what happens if it all goes away? 
I'm not telling you it is, and we're going to get into that a little bit deeper, too. What are the paths to maintain it, and what's that going to cost America? But I've got another question. How many of you are aware that the government took a lot of money out of that fund that was supposed to be for that fund and used it for other things? And now they're telling us there isn't enough money left in Social Security and we may have to do some drastic things. Well, you've already done some drastic things that put us, we the people, in this situation. Because if you would have left your freaking hands off of that account, maybe we'd have another 10 or 15 years before we'd even be discussing this. Or maybe we wouldn't have to discuss it at all. But we are. So, if we are being told by economists, and these are the best of the best, that at best, we may have 10 more years at the rate of Social Security today. At best, unless something drastic is done. So, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about some of those drastic issues. But let's go back to... Um, where does Social Security sit in most Americans' minds? If you have a really, really good job that pays you a lot of money and a lot of that money goes out into, yes, Social Security each month comes right out of your check, then what's going to happen is when you retire, your check from your company, your retirement check, is more than likely going to outpace your Social Security check. And you're only allowed to earn so much, okay, outside of Social Security before they start to deduct what you're going to receive from Social Security. In other words, if you make over a certain amount, that portion of your Social Security will be canceled. So, again, that is a situation that's not really all that bad for the pensioners who have spent 20, 30 years working for a company and are drawing a decent pension. But what about the individuals who went from job to job? The individuals who didn't work for a company long enough to get a pension, but that's what they did. Whether they were, I don't know, construction workers, whether they were oil field workers, whatever. The situation being, they didn't stay with one company long enough to have a long-standing pension waiting for them. But Social Security, if you made a good living, yeah, we're talking over $4,000 a month in some cases, depending on what you don't earn from Social Security. The average is right around $2,000 a month. So we have a huge chunk of Americans that are relying on a program they have been paying into their entire lives. But with an irresponsible government who totally went out to play with the Social Security Fund and are now telling us that we may have to do something drastic very soon because in less than 10 years, there may not even be enough money to pay us, but it may be worse than that. It may be that we're in a situation where they can't borrow the money anymore. Not a joke, people. An absolute fact. So <clears throat> if you're 65 and you're just now going on Social Security, this should probably concern you. 
If you're 70 years old, well, I'm going to be 80, supposedly, when this happens. Hopefully, I'll still be around. I can imagine I'm ornery enough. I probably will be. But what is going to happen if this thing trips and falls or if they have to make a huge chunk uh, or take a huge chunk out of my check each month? What's going to happen? Or to all of those who count strictly on Social Security, we are watching the cost of living going up through the ceiling. Everything today costs more, thanks, Joe Biden. And Bidenomics is the best thing that's ever happened to America. (coughs) Excuse me, I can't lie. All right, that was a lie. But at the same time, we're talking about in the foreseeable future telling you that you have to get less in Social Security, but the cost of everything is streaming up through the roof. Does that make sense to anybody? And let me ask you a question. If we've got less than 10 years before this thing has to default, why is nothing being done? We're talking tens of millions of Americans. Why is nothing being done? And if you try to corner somebody in Congress or in the Senate, they will avoid that topic like it's the plague, like it's COVID-19. Had to say that. And this is it, people. This is where we're sitting today. Stop and think of everything I just said. This was a system that was set up in America, supposedly the most prosperous country the planet has ever seen, to make sure (coughs) that our elderly who did so much to help advance this country would be taken care of in their waning years. And now, due to the stupidity and the, I don't know, Our own government has put us in a position where that may not be true anymore. And whereas, I don't know, somebody that's 70 or 75 right now or 80 may not have a whole lot to worry about. People like me who are about to turn 70, I plan on still being alive at 80. What have I got to look for? And this is the government telling you these numbers. I got to explain something to you. If they're saying it's that bad, how many of you out there believe it's actually a whole lot worse than that? And we may not make 10 years. In five years, they may be telling us, hey, we have no choice but to. The one thing that's common in everything I've said so far is the fact that Social Security is in trouble. And it is depended on by a huge section of the U.S. population. Again, one out of every six people in this country are 65 and older. But you can collect Social Security at 62. That statistic doesn't tell you how many more are on Social Security at 62. You don't get as much. But those that have done the math, and they will tell you this, if you start collecting at 62 rather than 65, It doesn't really matter how long you live. You're not ever going to, if if you don't start collecting till you're 65, okay, at all, you'll never make up the money you missed in the first three years. Even though you're getting more each month, you're probably not going to live long enough to make up for the three years at a slightly reduced rate that you drew Social Security before you turned 65. But they're not going to encourage that to you. They're not going to tell you that. But it, it is a fact. You will not live long enough to make up for that 
difference between what you were getting paid at 62 and what you were getting paid at 65. Those three years of income, you will never make that up if you start collecting at 65. So all of you out there who are kind of wondering, should I at 62? I don't see any reason not to, especially monetarily. It doesn't work against you to do that. Are you going to get a little less each month? Yes, but you're going to have three full years of additional income you wouldn't have had. So do the math on all of that. Okay. So, all right, we're talking about Social Security. We're talking about what most people my age rely on. Okay. And again, we're talking about Social Security being in trouble. Where does that leave someone like me in 10 years? Again, let's break it down a little bit further, okay? I've got an article for today's show, and when I was reading through some of the information on the Liberty Beacon, I came across this article, and it's actually what tripped me into the topic for today's show. And the title of this article by Gary M. Gales is... Why not doing something before Social Security runs out of money? Why not do something before Social Security runs out of money? And for all of you who didn't hear me, why not do something before Social Security runs out of money? This isn't a new topic, people. This isn't something that's being discussed for the first time in 50 years. I can remember doing shows about this eight years ago and writing articles about it. I can remember doing shows and writing articles about this five years ago. I can remember doing shows and writing articles about this two years ago after COVID had started. But how much do you hear about this from your governance? How much do you hear about it from your congressman, from your senator? How much does your favorite president, Joe Bob, okay, I'm kidding, say about this, other than the fact that he has stated openly and to the public in a speech, I'm not going to mess with Social Security. I'm not going to mess with that. It doesn't need to be messed with, which is exactly wrong. And if you get enough politicians who don't want the negative fallout of dealing with it, and I'm going to show you why Dealing with it in any way, shape, or form is not going to be good for politicians. It isn't. The question here, people, is will the politicians protect their careers and their charisma over your future? Because this should have been under research. This should have been in House committees and Senate committees years ago. When somebody tells you we may have, meaning it's probably less than 10 years before how many millions of Americans may not have an income and the United States no longer has the credit to borrow. But yet nobody's talking about this except for Roger. Nobody's talking about this. This is something that is going to affect us at a level most of you are going to be shell-shocked by. If we don't start doing something now, 
if we have 10 years until the light switch goes off, and nine years from now they're telling us the same thing they're telling us now, then I'm going to explain something to you. We already knew what their goal was, wasn't it? Here he goes again. We already knew where they were taking us, wasn't it? We won't talk about this until we absolutely have to because it's going to reflect negative on us and we want to get reelected. I'm not joking. If you stop to consider how many Americans this is going to impact, why the hell isn't it being worked on? <laughs> but let's go over, and we'll do this right after the break. After the break, we're going to go over the ramifications of fixing this system. And there are no winners. It's been let go too long. There will be some who will suffer. Guaranteed. It's just a matter of who and how much. So when we get back, I'm going to explain that to you. I'm going to show you why your government put this stops for so long that it has now impacted you and there is no good way out of this. It doesn't exist anymore. The best way out of this is still bad. We'll be back. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Welcome to my fourth annual Volkswagen and Conspiracies Conference 2023, a virtual event on the 16th and 17th of December. Outstanding speakers, Ace Baker, Brian Davidson, Fred Lochter, Donald Jeffries, Stephanie Sledge, Dr. Merrill Ness, Giuseppe Vafangulo, Joaquinic Gopian, Dr. Reed Labo, Jack Mullen, Joe Olson, Brian Davidson, Monique Lucan, Scott Bennett, Nick Kohlerstrom, Russ Winter, Ron Avery, Miriam Hanane, John Kaminsky, Sarah Westall, Dr. Catherine Horton. This is something you don't want to miss. 500 free Zoom tickets are available. Register now. Go to falseflagsandconspiracyconference.com slash ticket slash to get it now. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. 
Stein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach or a favorite song from the past or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. Terahertz is a soothing, healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To learn more about this amazing breakthrough, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate And we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Again, this is probably one of my least favorite topics, being that so many so many of my friends and so many of my associates fall within that bracket. And um, remembering that I'm about to hit 70, so most of the people I grew up with aren't 15 years old. And what I'm looking at today is um, America is not only not being prepared for this, especially when you consider the fastest growing and probably the largest demographic in this country is 60, I would say 60 and over in this country. So stop to consider that and stop to consider the ramifications if this is the only source of income for a big chunk of those tens of millions over 65 years old. So, and we've also, again, like I said, we've also seen the biggest rise in over, what, since the 1800s? So well over 100 years. Um, let's get into the article that I picked specifically to get this show accomplished. And I believe I told you the title right before the break, but let me give it to you again. Why not do something before Social Security runs out of money? 
Now, that's just an obvious question that you and I would ask and something I was talking about right before the break. What You're telling us we've got 10 years before this thing goes to into absolute catastrophe, but yet you can't even get one single politician to sit still long enough to explain exactly what the hell's going on, where the money from that account has gone to, why it was ever taken from there, and how these people are going to suffer or how they're going to be prevented from suffering when and if this does happen. And the last thing, what the hell are you doing, if anything, about it? So again, why not do something before Social Security runs out of money by Gary M. Gales? As recently reported by Reason's Epic Bohm, it's Eric, um, my mistake, um, Eric Bohm, 87% of Americans want politicians to do something before Social Security runs out of money. Listen to me. 87% of Americans want politicians to do something before Social Security runs out of money. Further, a new Taxpayer Protection Alliance poll reveals that the vast majority of Americans believe policymakers should make changes as soon as possible to extend the life of Social Security to avoid automatic cuts as its trust fund is dwindling, estimated to be exhausted by 2033, 10 years or less. And only 5% of the people asked think doing nothing to address it is the right thing to do. So we're talking about a huge chunk, 87% saying, why aren't you doing anything? 5% saying, Oh, I don't get it probably doesn't matter anyway. So you've got 8% that are stuck in the middle somewhere. And hopefully this show will be shared around enough that, I don't know, maybe they'll get a chance to listen and start to think about what the hell they're going to do when there's no money coming in. As Boehm summarized, perhaps most importantly, 90% of voters say presidential and congressional candidates running for office in 2024 should discuss the financial challenges facing the entitlement programs for which ignoring the government's entitlement driven debt crisis isn't a real option. Yet Biden was, yeah, demagogued who he has demagogued how many times against the idea that reforms are necessary, which is something I mentioned in my opening. As in his State of Union address, former president and current candidate Trump has repeatedly committed to not touch Social Security benefits. And it is hard to find many or any politicians dealing at all seriously with the program's issues. There are way too many negative ramifications. There are way too many questions that would have to be answered. And the government would have to explain where the hell a lot of that money went that it shouldn't have. That immense gap between the will of the people and the will of Americans' politicians seems surprising, given how much verbiage has recently been devoted to defending democracy, which again 
is just one of the biggest. Oh, God, when I hear things like that, it makes me pissed off because that's what our children are being taught. We're a democracy. What's it like living in a democracy? Isn't America great? We're a democracy. When our founding fathers did everything they could to make absolutely sure this country was not a democracy. Because in a democracy, the majority rules. In a constitutional republic, the rights are the individuals. And they are protected to the max. So when we are constantly being told we need to defend our democracy, what country are they talking about? Defending? Because they're not talking about America. But yet, they keep saying that, and our teachers keep telling our children that. How many of your kids know we live in a constitutional republic? Ask them. When they come home today, ask them. And you may be absolutely shocked at the answer. And if you think that that's not intentional, you haven't been listening to many of my shows. The dissonance between political posturing and the fiscal reality of the third rail of politics may be understood, however, in terms of fairness. So we're going to go away from the politics and we're going to get into the fairness of these issues. It arises, the fairness issue, because the federal government has promised trillions of dollars more in Social Security benefits than taxes to fund them. And those over-promises leave us no fair way out, which is something else I told you in my opening. But no politician wants to be attacked as being unfair. So political delay has long been more attractive than dealing with what will involve some major league pain. My question to everybody listening to this is, will that be delayed long enough that there is no time left to do anything? Then who do they blame? You and me? Of course. It's got to be our fault. It has to be, right? Since Social Security began, each of the many times it has been expanded, including, <laughs> excuse me, its offspring, Medicare, those in or near retirement got benefits far exceeding their costs. Those already retired paid no added taxes, and those near retirement paid more for only a few years. So they're saying when this all started, those who jumped into it at the beginning hadn't really paid anything in, but that's the way it was, and that's the way you got it, okay? So those in or near retirement got benefits far exceeding their costs. Those already retired paid no additional taxes, no Social Security taxes, and those near retirement may have paid for a year or two, but then they were retired. But both groups received increased benefits for the rest of their lives, all of them. Such unfunded generosity, however, must be paid for by someone else forcing later generations not only to finance their own retirements, but also to cover the unfunded benefits given to early retirees at the inception of the program. 
The good deal Social Security has given retirees, e.g. Ida May Fuller. Social Security's first retiree received benefits 924 times her contributions. Therefore, makes picking up the current bill very costly and inherently unfair. Is it unfair? If we sit here and look at it in that aspect, yes, it is. But this is the way systems run. So that's the explanation. Let's take it a little bit further. The mere possibility of having to fight over that tab energizes those who fear that a change from the status quo might give them or leave them with less, even though the gapping financial hole involved cannot be sustained, meaning that doing nothing for now guarantees an even less fair deal soon or when they decide to do something. This, again, was what we had started to discuss in my opening. This situation means that any move towards improved fiscal responsibility and sustainability will be attacked as unfair. But every option is now unfair. Do we take, I don't know, 20% from every Social Security recipient? No, that's not fair. Do we say you came in late and you didn't pay in everything, so we're going to take some money back? No, that was never stated. That's unfair. Do we, do we, do we? Everything that is a possibility to put some stability behind the Social Security program today would be unfair to one group or another. That's not a joke. That's not a guess. That's an absolute fact. Our politicians have put us in a situation where somebody's going to have to eat it. And how many of you would like to bet that it won't be the politicians? It'll be the you and me that are 65 and over. How many of you would care to bet that? And that's another reason why you can't force these people in, I don't know, the House or the Senate to discuss this in any detail at all. They know the inevitabilities. Reducing Social Security retirement benefits in one way or another is not fair. In the sense that government promises and ongoing retirement support have led people to adapt their behavior to those promises. I built my life, and I'm not saying I did personally, but this is somebody who is going to retire. I built my life around the fact that I could go from job to job to job to job, get the best money, move around the world, enjoy my life, and still get a good pension. I built my life around that, knowing that. Reducing Social Security retirement benefits in one way or another is not fair. Rogers continuing with, it's not fair. Nothing is fair now. In the sense that the government promises of ongoing retirement support have led people to adapt their behavior to those promises. I just explained that. Having done so, they have become dependent on the government living up to the promises they gave them. If you're going to tell me that I have a pension and I'm paying every paycheck I get, you're taking a little bit out. I have a pension. I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to plan my life on that. I'm going to know that when I retire, I've got this much income. 
I'm going to know that's going to be there. And my life is going to revolve around that the older I get and the closer I get to retirement. So if you pull that away, it's not fair to them either. Are we going to find any way of fixing that that's fair? And let me tell you, the problem was created by those we send to Washington in the first place. Okay. Of course, if we continue to do nothing to fix the fiscal hole, the money will soon run out and benefits will have to fall substantially, which would also be unfair to recipients, perhaps even more so. So another way, it's totally unfair. These sorts of unfairness claims fail to consider the unfairness of the alternatives. While Benefit cutbacks can be considered unfair to those now and soon to be dependent on them. Every alternative is unfair as well. Rather than choosing between fair and unfair options, as every don't fix it that way because it's unfair argument implies, we must choose between unfair and unfair. There is no fair way to fix this. Someone's gonna have to eat it. But if this would have started 10 or 15 years ago, I wouldn't be saying that. And how do I know it should have started 10 or 15 years ago? Because I was doing shows just like this then. Obviously, nobody in Congress or the Senate was listening, or it was too uncomfortable for them to deal with it. Right. If we impose substantially higher Social Security taxes, the problem is that people have adapted their behavior to the current extent of those taxes, which are already greater than income taxes for a majority of Americans. In other words, your Social Security tax, if you look at your check, is higher than your income tax. And some now depend on not losing any more take-home pay, just as many recipients depend on not losing anticipated benefits. If the government says, we're going to take another $50 a month out of your check, how many homes right now are on that borderline where $50 would tip them over into we can't do this anymore territory? So again, it is unfair to everybody. Proposing that just tax the rich more by increasing or even eliminating the income limits on Social Security contributions would especially increase its unfairness to higher income earners who already pay far more in Social Security tax than they will ever get back in benefits and who also pay a sharply disproportionate share of income and other taxes as well. Okay, so even for the rich, it's unfair. Benefits could be maintained without increasing Social Security taxes by federal borrowing, but borrowing is just deferred taxation. So that would unfairly burden whichever taxpayers will be left with the bills. In addition to those to the, excuse me those necessary to fund massive federal deficit from other sources it would also increase the tax uncertainty faced by Americans who face a harder task of guessing how where and when and on whom future taxes will be assessed 
especially now with Joe Bob. What about privatization? It could possibly increase the rate of return earned on retirement savings relative to what Social Security offers, improving the system from this point in time forward. But it can't magically eliminate the multi-trillion dollar unfunded liabilities. And if future benefits are to be more closely based on private contributions than the current system, as privatization would require, treating those savers more fairly would unfairly take funds now used to subsidize the retirement of current workers. So again, unfair. Look, it is time we realize that there is no fair way out of government social security commitments and screw-ups that exceeded the funds available. The history of overpromises means everyone has a plausible fairness claim on their side, yet something must give. The closest we can come to being fair is to avoid making any new overcommitments, to search for ways to make the program more sustainable, to reduce future unfairness problems, and to look seriously at the contentious issue of which, excuse me, of which of the options will minimize the adverse impacts of fairness that cannot be avoided altogether. All right. Demonizing any real consideration of the various options only increases the likelihood that they will ultimately be more unfairness than necessary. I just spent half an hour showing you why our government has walked us into a predicament that is so bad there is literally no fair way to solve it anymore. Somebody is going to have to eat it for this to be fixed. That's not a joke. That's not a guess. I just went through every point with you. I took everybody's perspective, and nobody wins. But I'm going to give you a prediction. And you know what my prediction is already. I'm going to predict to you that our politicians won't see the hardest. I'm going to predict to you that the high-income wage earners, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year or more, are not going to get hit the hardest. I'm going to guarantee you that nobody in Congress, nobody in the Senate, is going to be chastised for the fact that tens of millions of Americans over the next, what, 10 years may find themselves in untenable positions that could have been taken care of and should have been taken care of, but haven't been. I personally have talked to a politician about Social Security, and what I was told was two things. One, don't ever use my name. Yes, he did say that. And the second thing was, don't ask me about Social Security. I'll talk about just about anything else. No, I'm not joking. And basically, his implication was that he didn't know enough about Social Security. And I'm going to tell you, that's a line of crap. But again, what we're looking at right now is we have been talking about this, all of us, that if you listen to a show like this, you have at some point talked about the bad situation Social Security is in and that it gets worse by the day. You also know that Joe Biden is spending money at a rate that even the economists are balking at. Are you freaking 
kidding me. We are now in excess of $34 trillion in debt. I will say it won't be 10 years before any bank, any Federal Reserve, looks at this country and says you no longer have the ability to borrow. We are that far in debt. Now, if you take that problem and you pass it across to Social Security, then you realize that that is the root of all of this. If the United States wasn't so overdrawn at the local bank, Federal Reserve, this wouldn't be an issue. But, and if you think that the fact that the United States is $34 trillion in debt and going up every single day is something that can be resolved or something that only impacts Social Security, no. Because when the day comes that the United States is told you can no longer borrow, what the hell happens to everything that is government funded in America? Now, I'm sure everything won't just stop. And I'm sure there'll be some stopgap measures put in place. But do you think that with all of that happening, anybody's going to slow down long enough to check out the impact on all of the tens of millions of seniors in this country today that will probably, no, not probably, will definitely get hit the hardest of any demographic in this country. We're looking at an economy that is literally falling down a hole right now. We're looking at the cost of food screaming through the roof, the cost of energy to heat your home, the cost of gas to go from point A to point B, and I could go on and on. The cost of a loan today is insane. I haven't seen 20% interest or 22% interest in a long time, but there's a lot of them out there today. We'll talk more about this next week, but stop and think about this, people. Stop and think about it, okay? There's a lot of seniors in this country. What are we going to do with them? Thank you for listening. media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. 
With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit RepublicBroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth. 